0: chapter 4. The book of Genesis this evening in chapter 4. And if you found it, would you stand with me tonight? Genesis chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse 8. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8. This is the story of Cain and Abel And we're just going to pick up with verse 8. Not going to be real long tonight, but it says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Would you go with me then to the gospel, back to the gospel of Matthew chapter 25. And I want to pick one verse out. Jesus is uh, telling this, um, this parable. But I want to just pick this one verse out of the middle of this parable in verse 40. In verse 40, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I want to talk for just a few minutes this evening. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? You've probably already formed an answer in your own mind. I see some of you shaking your head. Yeah, you're right. Am I my brother's meat keeper? Yeah, I am. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a privilege to stand before this congregation. Father, we thank you for your blessings, your many blessings, the way you've blessed our church and you've continued to bless. Would you bless this week during our week of prayer and fasting? And Lord, you know the needs, the burdens upon people's hearts, you know our unsaved loved ones. And Father, we do pray that you would work in our church, perform miracles, we pray, through this week of prayer and fasting. Now as we look into your word... We need the ability to rightly divide it for the next few moments. Give us the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we pray. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Am I my brother's keeper? Hear this story. You know, this the first murder. I, I don't know really if this was the first death, um, but obviously I believe it was probably the first murder, first recorded murder that we have. But, you know, we find out from this story, uh, Abel offered a sacrifice, Cain offers a sacrifice, Cain's sacrifice was rejected, but God accepted Abel's sacrifice. And you know what it just like, seemed like? Cain, well, you could just sit down with this man and say, you know what, why didn't you just get a, another sacrifice? You know, why didn't you just Go offer it. God didn't say you couldn't offer another one. Just correct your mistake. Offer what God is, what is acceptable to God, and just go on. But Cain got jealous. He was jealous over his brother, and it says that they were out in the field and he talked with his brother. He was angry with him. Maybe maybe it got heated. I don't know, or maybe just trying to make him feel like, oh, you know, nothing's going to happen. But he slew him. He killed him. And when God came, and God already knew where Abel was, but he wanted Cain to answer, and Cain, Cain, where is your brother Abel? Where is he? And Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? Like saying, he's not my responsibility. He's just not my Why, why do you think I would know where he's at? He's not my responsibility am i my brother's keeper and Cain really did know where he was at Cain knew very well what he had done and God brought judgment on Cain but uh we are responsible for our brothers we're responsible if you have if you have a need i should be able to do something <laughs> to help you in your time of need. That's part of being a family. That's part of being the family of God. You know, that there's other individuals out there that if we have that opportunity that we can do something, we feel that burden for that individual that we should do it. And then, and then Jesus saying in this parable, and the king said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. I've done it. Unto him. When something is within our reach, and we're called to do something for somebody else. I, this is where I want to go for a few moments. This is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And years ago, President Ronald Reagan declared, I think it's the 22nd of January, and therefore any Sunday that's the closest to that would be the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And you know, abortion is a real problem, a, a plague, I guess, if you would, within our country. It's sad. The millions upon millions of babies that have been aborted. It's sad, folks. It's staggering how we have aborted a generation of babies. And each year, though, the blood of millions of babies cries out. How sad that we have come to this. How sad it is when we live in a nation that's more concerned about a spotted owl it's more concerned about, you see the people that when a, when a whale washes up on shore and you've got the people that will do everything to push that whale back out in the sea, but children are disposable. How sad. I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of our environment. I'm not saying that. But how sad when those things take priority over a baby and babies become disposable, and we justify why we do it. It's sad, folks. And then you have parents out there, the people that would be good parents, and they're not able to have children. And while we have doctors that are destroying children, they're destroying, and it's sad, folks. And you know what? What's even sadder is when we have too many Christians that are standing back and doing nothing. Nothing. We are doing nothing about it. You know, a, a mother's womb should be the safest place in the world for a baby. In that mother's womb, should be the safest place for that baby. And it's becoming to where it's not. I, I, I don't know about when your kids are when a Jeffreys baby is born. I believe the angels in heaven stand at attention and they put their harps down and they begin to weep i I don't know i I mean any other baby this looks all the same. They just I could go to the baby's nursery at the hospital, and yeah, that's a baby, but when it's a Jeffreys baby. Including one that's going to be adopted and take the Jeffreys name. I just believe the angel. I believe on February the 12th, the angels will stand at attention and lay down their harps and begin to weep because another Jeffreys is coming into the Jeffreys family. And what joy we experience from this child, what joy and no morning sickness, no you know, no labor pain, yet you know what? Another Jeffreys baby. there's something about a baby, folks. And how sad In the United States, almost two thousand five hundred and forty eight abortions a day. Folks, it's sad. Over two thousand a day, United States. You know, back in, I know some of these statistics are, are somewhat old, but in 2020, uh, the year 2020 in the United States, 930,160 abortions that year in the United States. There are only nine other countries that have more abortions than the United States. Nine other countries that are ahead of us in abortions around the world. Uh, you know, almost 1 million a year. Almost. How sad folks. How sad? What if if among those babies was, a, was one that would find the cure to cancer? would find the cure for diabetes, would find the cure for so many other uh, uh, d- for Alzheimer's or something? What if? What if? How sad? Uh, some time ago, New York City had passed an abortion law that allowed them to take, a a physician to take a baby right up to the delivery date. Terrible, folks. That's gruesome, folks. Because you can say what you want, but that's a baby. It's a baby. And, you know, how... How terrible. In Russia, the average woman in Russia has four to six abortions because they look at it as birth control in Russia. Since 1973, when it was made legal, we have aborted a generation of babies. From 1973 to 2020, the United States has, a, physicians in the United States have aborted 63.6 million babies. What a terrible, terrible thing. We as Christians cannot stand back and do nothing when we've allowed this to go on. Is abortion a medical issue? Oh, it's just a medical issue. That's all it is. Is it just that? No, it's a moral and ethical issue. Like I told you this morning, wrong is still wrong even if everyone's doing it. Right is still right even if no one is doing it. You know, that, it, look at the effects that this is having on our culture. There is no respect for the sanctity of human life. How sad. You know, this is a humans human rights issue. It denies that baby the 14th amendment of protection for the unborn baby. You know, well, well, maybe you know, it's it's a religious issue. You know, it's it's a religious li- yeah, it is. When my tax dollars and your tax dollars are going to fund this, it becomes a religious issue issue on, you know, it's it's something that we are definitely against. We are against this. And look how many doctors they just tried, well, you need to abort that child. There's the possibility. How many people have been told there's a possibility of having some kind of birth defects? And they said, no, we refuse to abort it. And they, uh, and they give birth to a perfectly normal baby. There are some physicians that are just set on aborting babies. Why? You follow the dollars. Follow the money. There, There's, there's a paradox in uh, abortion. That's just a contrast, the opposite sides of it, I guess you would say. Man calls it a fetus or tissue. God calls it a child. You look at what Jeremiah, he said, told Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were even born, I knew you. He was called to be a prophet. You find that in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. You know, look at um, Exodus, Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 to 25. God calls it a child. Man calls it a fetus or tissue. Man calls it something that is unwanted, They get rid of it because it's unwanted. God says he created it. He created every child. Who has the right to destroy something that God created? Who has the right to destroy that child that God created? By the time a woman finds out that she is pregnant with a baby in her body, there is already a heartbeat. You believe that? By the time she is already, that she is aware that she's carrying a baby, there is already a heartbeat. They can already find a heartbeat. Man says it's socially acceptable. God says it violates his law. That's in Exodus chapter 21 also. Just because it's legal doesn't make it right. Just because at one time slavery was legal did not make it right. Come on, help me out here. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's moral and ethical, doesn't mean that it's right. When it comes to where it violates God's law, we're going to follow God's law. We stay with God's law. When there's things that in our society, they go along with God's law, it's okay. We follow that. That's all right. But when they veer off and they go a separate direction, we go with God's way. We're going to follow God's law. Even if they do say it's legal, if we're going to follow what God says. Man calls it a medical procedure. God calls it murder. Come on. May as well call it what it is. And it's time that we as Christians, when it comes to the voting boxes, the big place, you know, we look at the issues. We follow what they stand for. And we need pro-life politicians because you know something? This is important to us. This is important. That's why we need pro-life politicians that will stand for pro life. I listen for that. We've gone to some of these forums for, for just state, you know, our local government, and I listen for what they believe in as far as the sanctity of human life and what a, they believe in abortion, what they believe about it. We went to one of and sat there. They were all there. Well, my son or my daughter is a doctor, and they went into all this. and under. You know what? I want one that believes pro-life all the way. Come on, all the way. Man calls it a medical procedure. God calls it murder. How sad. You know, what it comes to is doctors can't control their greed. It's down to a matter of self-control. Doctors can't control their greed. Politicians can't control their desire for votes. And many times we have teens that can't control their desires. We have a generation of young people need to be taught that there are certain things that are only allowed within the bonds of marriage. Come on. Adults, you know what I'm talking about. It's for within the bonds of marriage, and our teens need to be taught abstinence until you're married. You know, when our kids were dating, I told them, I said, "There, there are certain places you do not go, you do not enter the holy of holies till you become the high priest of your home, and that's done with a ceremony called a wedding." Come on, my kids know what to talk. What I'm talking about, I taught my boys that till you become the high priest of your home, you do not enter the holy of holies. And so our teens need to be taught that they need to control themselves. Folks, we're living in the last days. I'm going to close. We're living in the last days. And how sad. Over the millions and millions of babies. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I? We need to speak up. We need to do something about it, folks. We need to do something. How many people during the Holocaust stood back, you know, and thought, this is not right? But they felt powerless to do anything about it. But you had your Corey Ten booms and you had people that decided, I'm not going to stand back and let this happen without doing something. You know what? We need Christians that'll say, I'm willing to get involved. I'm willing to do something about this. I hope, you know, I, I know it's just, a, it's not a shouting topic. It's not one of those topics that you can feel like, oh, you know, I, we could just jump and shout. But you know, sometimes we as Christians need to be reminded of it. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because in, in that, it's talking about I have a being, having a responsibility for the welfare of a brother or a sibling or other extension of my family or other human beings in general. That's what it's talking about. And being a keeper is to keep, guard, watch, preserve, protect, or to have charge of someone or something. And I believe the blood of those babies cries out. From the ground, cries out to God. You know, the one thing about that, though, I believe those children that have been aborted go into the very presence of God. I believe that, folks. There's some preachers that don't, don't believe that. I believe that every child that dies goes into the presence of God. They're into the age of accountability. They're innocent. And I believe they go to the presence of God. Any of you that have lost a child, I believe they're in the presence of God. And I believe they'll be there to meet us whenever we make it to heaven. I believe they are there, they're there. And I believe, I like the song, Jesus has a rocking chair. He's up there taking care of them. Until we get there, he's taking care of them. You know, they're in the presence of God. And, you know, if we do it to the least of these, we've done it unto him. We've done it unto him. What will you do? I think it makes a big difference at the ballot box. Christians will say, you know what? Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let let me, allow me to be political before we come to the altars here. I know some people that vote because they've always voted a political party. It doesn't matter if the devil was running on that ticket. They vote oh, because granddad, grandma will roll over in their grave. If I voted anything but libertarian something, whatever. You know, yeah. I just couldn't say it because it's on YouTube or something. will be thrown off again or whatever. But you know what? You got to look at what they're standing for. You've got to look at the issues. You've got to pay attention. We're going into an election year. You've got to listen. Do your homework. Come on. But I know some good people, they won't stray because, I mean, it just, oh, it would just be a crime. Grandma and granddad roll over in their grave if they voted anything but that. And they will till the day they die. That's the way it'll be. Folks, it's time that we we stand up and we do what's right. Come on, it's time that we make a difference. Amen, Sister Cassandra, you come back to the piano, please. Come on, church. I think all of us. Let's let's find a place to pray. Let's, if nothing else, pray for our country. Pray for our country. It's so sad. Sixty million babies. We've aborted a generation of children. What a sad, terrible, terrible thing. But if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then he promises that he'll hear from heaven and he will heal our land. I think sometimes we need to repent for what we've allowed our country to become and become part of the answer that's going to turn this country around. I think there's still hope for America. I really do. I think there's still hope. Come on church. Let's let's find a place to pray.